blow in her face and she'll follow you anywhere. You are destroying the Constitution of the United States. May God have mercy on your souls. Good day. Yes. We could be saved if we just elected the right white man to power. That's creepy, but that's in a different category of creepy. Zitzu, zitzu, zitzu. Gary Geigers. Of course he introduced zoning laws. Okay. You know what? Don't. Yeah. The less I have to do with that game, the better. Here's my favorite part of the defense. Clodius was probably fucking his sister. Jughead, not Jarhead. I have nothing against Marines. I want to make okay. that very clear. I'd be really interested to find out what fucking truth that woman was trying to get at. And like with most episodes, I can bring it back to wrestling. Oh. Right, well, he's got other people who work for him who also do things, and, and they can okay. mutate okay. Uh, okay. human size into smaller worlds, after all. Fuck you. I still don't give a shit about getting fake property in a fantasy game. Gabriel, how you doing? I'm doing good, Damien. Uh, thanks for having me. And, you know, we did just record an episode, and if I'd had any sort of, if I had a modicum of professionalism, I would have practiced what I was going to say to introduce myself this second time, knowing <laughs> that that freight train was coming. But here we are, and so I'm rambling a bit. Damien, how are you today? Oh, I'm, I'm doing quite well. Uh, so we had back-to-school night uh, last night for my kids. Mm -hmm. um and uh one of the teachers uh their air conditioner was out so it felt like i was back in school in florida uh because it's <laughs> 106 out here right now mm -hmm. um which is not fun uh, the only thing that would make it more miserable is if it was a public school in florida uh so last night we had those conditions uh mm -hmm. but uh the kids all have their self-portraits mm -hmm. on their desks and uh you know my son's in seventh grade it's a k-8 school my son's in seventh grade and he, uh, all the seventh grade teachers were all there and mm -hmm. they gave a presentation and I'm a teacher. So I absolutely, I, I know what I have to listen for. And, and frankly, I tell them ahead of time, I'm like, Hey, where do you need me? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And one of them was like, Oh, you're Williams dad. I was like, Oh, cool. That's, that's nice. Um, and, uh, he's, he's the sweetest kid in the world, et cetera, et cetera. And he'd done really well on his, uh, continents quiz so i was very very pleased about that because his love of trains has paid off uh i went to my daughter's <laughs> class and they, <laughs> and they uh they did a um self-portrait and i realized my daughter draws the exact same way that i used to mm. uh which is unfortunate ultimately <laughs> uh but but it was really neat to also see like oh you have the same emphases that i had you you have the same distortions in in how you see things that i do and and how you express it on a page uh, the other th funny thing was though that I knew it was because I asked her. I was like, "Okay, where's your chair?" She's like, "No, you have to guess." 
Uh, and as I was just looking around, I went right over to the one uh, that had the thickest book on the top of it because mm-hmm. she is 10 years old and she's presently reading War and Peace. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like she's reading War and Peace. And I've asked her a few times, like, so how is it? She's like, it's a lot of dinner parties so far. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, I guess. I. So she's <laughs> still reading War and Peace. <laughs> I'm just okay. like, get it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I couldn't make it through Dune. I can't imagine trying to take a shot at War and Peace. But I think okay. I'd probably have a better chance at War and Peace than Dune because at least War and Peace is historical. Like, yeah, Dune well, is is about I don't I, I don't like stories about sand. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. Don't know God <laughs> frack. All right. <laughs> so back to school night was a rousing success, uh, minus cool. the sweatiness. But her her teacher loves mm-hmm. doing dumb dad jokes. And her teacher, like, in, you know, when my daughter mm-hmm. introduced, are you like, her teacher? Is that no. is that what you're telling me? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, it's not digital learning anymore. But no, uh, when when she introduced me, she's like, "Oh, you're you're Julia's dad." I said, "Yeah," and she says, "Oh, yeah, I told a really stupid dad joke," and your daughter just like put her head in her her palm mm-hmm. and said, "Oh," and I said, "What? No, it's big. And she's like, "No, my dad does that professionally." Um. And that's when I was like, as a matter of fact, I do. Uh, Julia writes the wheel out for our show and, you know, you should come see it. And so I was able to flyer the 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 school. <laughs> so hopefully I'll get more more uh, patrons to uh, to capital punishment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what pun based uh, uh, comic shows need is more people attending them. Yes. So... <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh... On on the the um, topic of social diseases, which I consider puns to be one. God damn it! <laughs> um, we have a big first coming up as of the time of recording, and that I am doing um, this. I am engaging in an age long tradition uh, for Latinos in general and, and Mexicans in particular. I am offering my daughter to the altar of soccer, uh, and she is going to start her first youth uh uh season this Mm -hmm. uh this season and um i firmly believe that soccer is a social disease Mm -hmm. uh it you know i don't know that there are many other games that can claim to have at the professional level included at least one decapitation um i'm sorry you buried the lead there (laughs) you're not familiar with this no oh this was circa I'd have to double check it, but it's like 2012, 2013, somewhere. Oh my there. God. Um, there was a Brazilian professional game mm-hmm. uh, where it was two teams that were playing. Um, one uh, one of the guys got a, a yellow card pulled on him. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the player uh, punched the ref. The ref stabbed the player. Is the knife normally a part of uh, a ref's I, gear? I don't know, but okay. it seems like he was anticipating something. Yeah, Brazilian right? rules, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You know, it's also worth noting that like a lot of these countries don't serve alcohol at the games for reasons like this, for what's about to happen. Oh, so wow. the ref stabs the player, the player goes down. The family of the player rushes the field along with what becomes an avalanche of other fans oh, from that team start storming the opposing team right then start storming the field because they're like well screw this they're not going to like you know do whatever they're about to do we're going to stop them and then (laughs) it ends with the ref being quartered on the field 
my god and with and his head removed with the knife he used to stab the original player oh my god and paraded around so i don't we can talk about like uh, traumatic brain injuries and concussions in the nfl all day and that's a worthy conversation to have i Mm -hmm. don't know (laughs) that any other sport has that as like Uh, as a part wow of its history I mean, it took the British Army going on to an Irish pitch and and mowing people down with guns to get close to uh-huh. that. That's that's not nearly as intimate. No, you know? no, <laughs> it's not. Like, oh my yeah. god! Like, I remember there was a. I I personally, I I've never enjoyed soccer um, mm-hmm. because there's. It's funny. I've never enjoyed soccer, and mm-hmm. I also never really enjoyed the Iron Man match between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels for the same reasons. Um, that that match mm-hmm. is famous. It's it's one of the best okay. Iron Man matches. Except I hate it. Um, because mm-hmm. it was a zero zero tie for sixty minutes, and that's a lot of soccer. And then it went into yeah. sudden death, yeah. which is kind of like mm-hmm. penalty kicks, literally ending with mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels kicking Bret Hart in the head. Um, mm-hmm. so penalty kick one. Um, and I, I don't know. Just I, I like more scoring in a mm. game or more chance of scoring, where like the norm yeah. isn't zero zero. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been told that I don't understand the storytelling aspects of it. I'm like, that's totally fair. Cause that has always been my critique of people that don't like wrestling. It is. And that's it, all these things. They're their own languages right? sure. that you learn the grammar and the syntax of. And there are people who will see those kind of games where it's like a standstill basically for the whole match. And they're enthralled in it for the reasons that I can't imagine. But in, in retrospect, it's also kind of like trying, I think that's also kind of like people who enjoy dungeons and dragons, uh, mm-hmm. third edition and three and 3.5. <laughs> right because D D now is like uh apple right it's yeah. like it's like it's using everywhere. it's it's an iphone kind mm-hmm. of user friendliness but three five was like linux right like you you had to know the code in order well, to and to appreciate three five yeah. you had to have come from dos like you had to yeah. come from ad yeah which yeah. was way worse um, in yeah. so many ways, like three, three zero and three five were a huge departure. I remember because I was uh-huh. playing a game when that happened, uh-huh. and so we were there for that shift. And it was like, oh my god, this is so cool! This is streamlined. Like you don't have to calculate Thaco. Like, yeah, that alone, you know. But I was double checking. It was twenty thirteen uh, when the, when that twenty uh, year old Brazilian amateur uh, football referee was lynched, beheaded, and quartered by football spectators after he stabbed a player to death in a match he officiated on the 30th of June of 2013. Yeah, wow. So that's... And like, part of me, like the grammar nerd in me is like, okay, lynched is an un- unlawful killing by a mob. Yes. Okay. Then yes. beheaded and then quartered is in mm-hmm. that order. So I would want to know, was that just the first thing that popped off? And then they pulled and like everybody was just pulling all at once? Yeah. Or did they do that? And they're like, okay, now everybody grab a limb and run. Like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm, yeah, yeah, there was, I remember there was a lightning strike that hit a pitch in, in, I want to say Kenya, but I, I may mm-hmm. well be wrong. Um, but it killed like nine of the players on one team and two of the players on another team. Mm. And so the team that lost nine of its players sued the other team for witchcraft. Okay. You, you know, you know, ordinary the international game. That. I'd yeah. ordinarily I'd laugh at that, but given what happened. <laughs> yeah. Like playing the odds. It's like, uh, yeah. what did you do? You know, you like know? I, 
And <laughs> do I personally believe and put stock in things like witchcraft or brujeria? No. Do I, uh, am I so strong in my conviction that I'm going to talk trash about it? Also, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm, am I willing to understand that? Okay. I wasn't there. I, yeah. I could see. Okay. If, if that's, yeah. you have visual evidence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Let's see how the due process works. You know, sure. Sure. like, God damn, a beheading. Like that's, like I thought the war that started between Honduras and El Salvador was something. Yeah, yeah, you'd think. No, this is just but, this is visceral, this is intimate, this is this is a social visceral. disease. Yeah, this is a social disease. And you're taking your daughter to it. Awesome. Listen, <laughs> the, the, the ancestors have to be appeased. <laughs> it is not by my will alone that this happened. Sure, sure. Yeah. Do you know the origins of soccer? Like it's brutal. It's I, I don't. It was no. Englishmen kicking around a Danish man's head, oh, which explains that... the no hands rule, because so, that shit's gross and leaky. Yeah. Also, was <laughs> mm, was Tolkien referencing that when he described the origins of golf in you've The got, Hobbit? You've got the wrong partner uh, gotcha. on the show for that. <laughs> in The Hobbit, they yeah. reference how uh, I think a dwarf had beheaded a goblin. Uh, of note maybe a goblin king and like the head flew and fell into a hole and that like was a rabbit the hole yeah. yeah and that was the origin of golf uh yeah and so i wonder if maybe tolkien was referencing that maybe a little bit i think yeah. maybe he was just taking the piss out of the scottish entirely so, possible that would that would so, be the british thing to do yeah um, it would yeah yeah so yeah but it's it's it, that made sense in terms of the no hands rule yeah, you know, as far as that goes, you, like, okay. you don't want to, you don't want to get you like you get down under your cuticles. I mean, come mm -hmm. on, it's, yeah, it's it's yeah. gross, it's it gross. Is. And it's... if there's one thing the English were known for was uh, hygiene in the early 1000s, so... I, I learned once the phrase that the English Navy was held together with rum, sodomy, and the lash. And now yes. every time I think of them, that's all I can think. <laughs> and that was, I believe, that was famously uh, Winston Churchill who said that. Yeah. Uh, whereas uh, another famous eloquent hawk, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, God damn it. What's his name? Uh, he died of cancer. He absolutely wanted America and England to go to war with uh, Iraq. And he was famous for being an atheist. Uh, uh, Christopher Hitchens. Hitchens. Yeah. There we go. He said that uh, boarding school was uh Beatings, bullying, and buggery. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, and he mm -hmm. he he did not speak all that critically of it. Like mm. he also that it made him the man that he was. And I'm like, that, well, that that the other that quote is attributable to Winston Churchill is also consistent. I mean, this is the man who quote notably, uh, quite notably said, you know, um, screw them Indians, right? Yeah, uh, that was <laughs> in a lot of different ways. In a lot of different ways. Yeah. God, what a what a while. Anyway, wait, that's not what we're here to talk about. No, we're talk, no. We're here to talk about another atrocity. Yes. Not, not the Bangladesh <laughs> uh, starvation, a famine of like 1946. Yeah. Right. Right. No, no, this, this is uh, far worse. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, uh, no, this is, this is imaginary characters going through some severe trauma in a fictional universe. Um, mm. So nowhere near as worse as, as the British starvation of India. No, although um, it was for the purpose of uh, endorsing the uh, renewal of the Patriot Act. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the fiction, the, it does serve a purpose to for the real life atrocities that we've experienced. 
anyway. Yeah, and 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 I think that you cannot you cannot divorce. And I've done an ep- a couple episodes on the Civil War being the Patriot Act. Mm-hmm. Um, and you cannot divorce the Civil War from the reality of the unending war that mm-hmm. was promised to us that we would get more oil, as though a war of conquest was was good. Mm-hmm. By shot his friend in the face. Um, and got away with it. Mm-hmm. It was friend apologized. Yeah, <laughs> it was the best. <laughs> it's like God damn, like uh, so. So what we're talking about from last time, as you recall, was Speedball, um, one of my top five favorite superheroes. Um, and uh, until I mm-hmm. found him, probably he he probably edged out Nightcrawler, to be honest, because uh, mm-hmm. I prefer agile superheroes over strong superheroes. Probably because I live in a fantasy world when I look at superheroes and characters that don't represent me are are really cool. Yeah. So although my daughter (laughs) is always amazed at how quick and agile I am being the way that I look. And I I told her, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be better at you than most of this stuff for frustratingly longer than you want me to be. Also, like being a parent does test your reflexes a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are, are your kids at Grundle height age yet where you learn ball foo? Like, <laughs> oh my God. I, you will up your decks and your uh, con when it comes uh, to your junk because um, you will get them out of the way with uh-huh. a speed that is amazing, but yeah. you will also absorb many, many shots. It's, it's, and to, you'll be able to handle it. It's weird. It's having to fight the reflex to raise my knee. Yes, is the problem because you can't knee a kid in the face. No, that's that's generally frowned upon, right? <laughs> yeah. And not so. But although I, I, my the the newborn is um is only like a month and a half old uh, oh ish, gosh. and yeah. is already weighing is already in the three month old sizes. So nice. this kid is giant. Um, yeah, yeah. So every day is arm day, is what I'm saying. Right. Um, <laughs> Oh my God, my my lats on my left yeah. arm, like mm-hmm. I was so much better developed on the left side of my body because <laughs> I'm left-handed as well. Yeah. So like yeah. I was just like, yeah, absolutely. It was mm-hmm. it was funny. Uh, so much more, uh, so much less fatigue through mm-hmm. all those muscles. Yeah. So, oh man, I I both envy and don't envy you at all. Uh, that age, and that's mm-hmm. that's how I've been as a parent the whole time. Though it was like I've enjoyed every single stage. And I never wanted to go back. Yes. So, yes. But uh, <laughs> because uh, ultimately, I think I'm I'm better acclimated toward teenagers, uh, which explains my career um, as a high school teacher. But I am eminently terrified. Oh. Um, because no, yeah, yeah, no. Well, because like I, uh, my my oldest daughter, and mm-hmm. I assume will be the case with my my youngest. I could be mistaken. Um, they come from a proud line on both sides of their families of extremely strong-willed women and that's great that is awesome i want to facilitate that but also Mm -hmm. i've seen what that looks like in time and space um and like from like the age of 12 to like 20 so Mm -hmm. and and you're like oh shit i'm the sharpening stone uh (laughs) i am the whetstone against which these children will be sharpening their blades Um, yep and, and I'm proud to offer myself to do so, but I also know what's hat was coming. So it is a sacrifice. Yeah. So yeah. To, toward a much better end, though. So, yeah. uh, well, speaking of teenagers, speedball. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yep. So Robbie Baldwin uh, has when when last we left him, he was on a desperate plea or uh, attempt to mm-hmm. remain relevant through the early 2000s because he was on a reality TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the New Warriors, and that's how the New Warriors were being funded, by the way, because mm-hmm. by that point, Dwayne Taylor had lost uh, the, the Taylor Foundation. Uh, but so he goes essentially in in the next two years. He goes speedball does goes from being this happy go lucky horny spidey, like I said, to the liberal martyr fantasy, and that's ultimately the the thesis statement of of these two episodes, probably three. Um, because Spidey and Speedy go through a similar trans- a transformation in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's because they grew up during the global war on terror. And so they lost all innocence as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, and in many ways, both Spidey and Speedy come out of it traumatized and psychologically scarred individuals who mirror the people that George W. Bush ends up painting portraits of 15 years later. One of the things that struck me as I was rereading for this was, so I, I reread um, the Spider-Man arc in, in uh, oh, Civil good. War good. Um, leading up through Back in Black, uh, which is mm-hmm. right before like, um, what was it? The terrible one where he... One more day? One more day, yeah. yeah. And so I stopped before that. Um, but where, and there is something cathartic about seeing Peter Parker so angry, he throws a jeep through like an apartment building, hoping mm-hmm. to kill somebody. You know, yes. it scratches an itch. But he displays a surprising, I forgot just how surprising an amount of naivete at the beginning. I, right? Well, I think he's got daddy issues there. Yeah, well, with, with yeah. Tony, right? And right. like he he literally says, okay, if this is a blood oath, like I'm down. Like yes. not knowing what's going to happen. And he doesn't, anyway, I don't want to get too far ahead, but like, yeah, he this is not the kid who this is it struck me as like this kid is supposed to have grown up in a very particular environment mm-hmm. with like having to rely on wits and things like that my guy what are you doing you know i think on some level it's it's that he became i'm going to use the term domesticated for lack of a better term right now yeah i think when he was a teenager like we talked about last time uh there's the in, indestructibility and the Frankly, the only person he had to care about was Aunt May, right? Mm-hmm. And as long as he stayed alive, Aunt May was pretty well taken care of. Mm-hmm. But then he's got Mary Jane, mm-hmm. and now he's got more things that that he's afraid to lose. And frankly, his world is is more precious to him mm-hmm. because he's also now in love. So now he's got two people, and I think in many ways, two people might be too much for him to stay mm-hmm. the kid that he was. You know, we all got to yeah. grow up sometime kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but I think I can understand like his need, his conflation of justice and th- with great power comes great responsibility. What that morphs into is backing law and order. Yeah. And I think it's, it's that, that need to have institutions that mm-hmm. exist yeah. It's like I said, it's a liberal fantasy. Um, at least until he goes to Guantanamo Bay. I mean, um, the negative zone. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I talk about that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we start Civil War with 529, Spider Man, mm-hmm. Amazing Spider Man 529. And he and Tony Stark have been working together for a while by this point. Mm-hmm. Tony is acting like the, the mentor to Peter Parker. Um, he also has a creepy amount of access to Peter and Mary Jane's bedroom via a talking eagle statue. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Surveillance state much. 
Um, mm-hmm. the, the capabilities of that Eagle remain ambiguous, by the way, he never actually says there's no camera or no, she, he says it exactly like she says it. And then he says, uh, by the way, nice, tan. nice tan. Cause she asks, yeah. right. Yeah. Right. You know, um, and he's Peter by this point is a high school teacher, mm-hmm. um, which I loved. There was this great episode, uh, or issue, um, where after he's unmasked, uh, doc Ock, finds out and he can't get over the fact that Spidey was 15. And so mm-hmm. he goes down to the school and the whole time he's attacking Spidey and Spidey has to defend himself. And he's mm-hmm. like, 15, you were 15. And he's just going ape shit over the fact mm-hmm. that he was 15. Um, which is, is just before or after. Is that before or after he makes his move on out? May? Uh, well after. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So I forget when that <laughs> happened. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, Aunt May, dude, she apparently can get it because she, like J. Jonah Jameson, Otto Octavius. She's a, she's a classy lady. She you is. Know? Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I have a friend who has forever had a crush on Helen Mirren, and I'm pretty sure she could have her pick of the litter, too. I'm saying. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, so he's still acting like junior partner mm-hmm. Tony Stark, uh, who builds him his own Iron Spider outfit. Um and then they test drive the outfit and Peter Parker asks him at one point, he says, you know, why he's doing all this. He's a quote, but I know you now. I know how you think. And I have a suspicion that there's more to all this help than helping me accessorize. So he mm-hmm. does suspect him, but it's he's actively putting aside his skepticism through this whole thing, which feels very young 20s support mm-hmm. the war kind of stuff. And Stark doesn't yeah. deny it either. What was that? Yeah. I was going to say, and he doesn't even think to check the suit for what it's what sort of metrics it's taking on him until, until. he realizes that Tony knows about the Spidey sense. Yes, because he's like, I only have ever told Aunt May and Mary Jane about that. Yeah, uh, which yeah. is fascinating to me because it it canonizes that it's pheromonal. So mm-hmm. now all you got to do is plug his nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, but, uh, Stark says, quote, I want to hire you out in the open full time as my second, my protege. I want to go. I want you to go where I go. See what I see hear what I hear. I need someone I can trust implicitly to back me up. Mm-hmm. I find that interesting because he already has that. He has happy Hogan. Mm-hmm. He has pepper pots. He has war machine. I was going to say Rody. Yeah. Yeah. But Rody serves to, Oh, bad choice of words. Uh, has two bosses. <laughs> Ah, yes. yeah. Um, Rhodey has has two bosses. He is loyal to the country. Yeah. And, you know, and as much as those two things overlap, he's loyal to Tony. Mm-hmm. But there has been those conflicts. Yeah. So Tony's like straight up grooming Peter. Yes. Who is, I mean, accounting for in universe aging is late in his, age. I was gonna say late 20s. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, and this is Tony actually already gearing up for civil war. Uh, he's mm-hmm. manipulating Peter six ways from Sunday uh, and and Stark calls Peter family. He gives Peter gifts and he tells Peter that he needs things to be secret within the group. And the group is essentially the Avengers, but I think they've been disassembled or or they've been reassembled by this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, quote, it is, even no, Steve, I think it's the Illuminati. Isn't it? No, no, he's not taking him over to the Illuminati. Okay. This is because he yeah. says, quote, even Steve. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. like keeping shit from Captain America, like mm-hmm. this is a group within a group. This is culty shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and once Peter says I'm on board, Stark takes him to Washington. Um, and I bring this up because it's important to see the last ebbing 
of Peter's innocence and how he reacts to the, this manipulation mm-hmm. along with Speedball's arc. Mm-hmm. So in Civil War One, which dropped in May of 2006, uh, it opens with Speedball talking to a pr- TV producer about how many supervillains are holed up in Stamford, Connecticut. I don't think mm-hmm. Stamford, Connecticut actually exists. It's Stanford, Connecticut, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's the... Uh, that's interestingly the headquarters of the WWE are in Stanford, hmm. Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. Um, now it's a reality TV show. Like I said, Night Thrasher, you know, has lost the ability mm-hmm. to fund them. Um, mm-hmm. So Night Thrasher, Namorita, Speedball, and a character named Microbe uh, are all in the mix. And uh, Microbe is gross. Um, that's his power. <laughs> it's actually a pretty cool power, but yeah, it's still gross. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Speedball has the lion's share of all the dialogue here, and he's absolutely brought into the reality TV aspect of it when Microbe is actually bulking about what they're facing. Uh, and and Speedball's re- response to Microbe saying, well, this is too much, he says, but think about the ratings, Microbe. This could be the best episode of the entire second season. Six months, we've been driving around this mid- the Midwest looking for goofballs to fight, and the best we've managed so far was a bum with a spray can and a wooden leg. This could be the episode that really puts the new warriors on the map, dude. We beat these guys and people stop bitching about Nova leaving to leaving the show to go back into space. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The annihilation storyline is phenomenal. I mean, mm-hmm. it that was actually I think the the first time I really started taking the Guardians of the Galaxy seriously. Mm-hmm. Um and uh the, the whole annihilation storyline it was it was a absolute coming out party for Nova. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um and and he comes into this later on, uh, mm-hmm. including the what if uh, issue where he comes back. Uh, it's like, what if Annihilation came to Earth and he comes back and they're still in the middle of the Civil War. So he comes back early Oh wow. um, and they're fighting. And he's like, what the hell are you fighting over? Like, we need to band together. Annihilus is coming. And they're like, secret identities. Like, are you goddamn kidding yeah. me? And they're like, well, it seemed important at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So to the space cop. Yeah. Again, yeah. 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 See, the thing is, Nova is one of my favorite characters, but not because of the Nova aspect, but because mm-hmm. of the Rich Rider aspect, because mm-hmm. he is there's this wonderful series of panels um, in in the Nova Annihilation Wave uh, series where he's talking to another Nova. It's, it's far flung in the future because at one mm-hmm. point he becomes the only Nova that mm-hmm. exists. So he's got the world computer of, of Xandar in his helmet mm-hmm. and he's hyper powered. And he keeps like, I need to stop and train up more Novas. And they're like, you don't have time. And so there's this wonderful tension about it. And he he's older now and he's talking to a younger Nova. And the younger Nova he's talking to uh, is like, I was never anything special. Like, I don't know why, you know, you think I'm any good. And he's like, because you're exactly like I was. Like, the mm-hmm. reason that I was chosen was because I was nothing special. Mm-hmm. People who are special have ego. Yeah. The best Novas are always the most average. And I... I love that admittance mm-hmm. of sheer mediocrity on Richard Ryder's part mm-hmm. um, that I've often overlooked the, the space cop part. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, yeah. it's the, it's the Captain America ethos, right? I mean, he was, yep. he was a guy who cared like yeah. at the end of the day, that was the defining quality for him is he yep. was a guy who was not particularly ex- exceptional in any area. In fact, the ways in which he becomes exceptional are developed over time. And he mm-hmm. just, he gave a damn. That was it. And- and they're largely offshoots of his experience because he cares. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely right. 
So Speedball at this point is is all obnoxious, no zany. Like that's how he's written. Mm -hmm. And he's the most irritating of the teenager tropes. He even tells Namorita to cover up a zit, Mm. you know, because Mm -hmm. nobody wants to see that on TV. Uh, And this is he this is him responding to her saying, "Okay, so what's the tactical approach that we're taking here? And he says, well, the first thing you got to do is cover up your like. Yeah, the only time he cracks wise is for the camera. And even then, the cameraman's like, hey, I didn't get it. Can you say that again as you kick mm-hmm. the guy again? And we'll clean it up in post. Yeah. Uh, so it, it has a real cops vibe to it, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's turned up to ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so while Speedy, Microbe, and Night Thrasher are taking out two of the villains, Nitro escapes down the road. Namorita chases after him, smashes him into a school bus and kind of a cool, cool little uh, scene there mm-hmm. uh, near a school while it's still in session, which means kids are like, hey, what's that over there? And Nitro explodes. And that's his power is he explodes. Yeah. But he explodes bigger than he's ever exploded before. Mm-hmm. Um, And it takes out the entire block and then some and the whole school and some of the neighborhood around it. This includes Speedball, Night Thrasher, and Microbe, as well as whoever the hell the other villains were. Um, and the New Warriors are presumed dead. Most of them are dead off screen. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. the villains were just hanging out. Yes. That's the other thing. They weren't in the active commission of a crime. Correct. Right. Yeah. And that that's It's problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and it's it's that whole well, you know, the, the <laughs> there was a guy during Japanese internment who was in charge of no, he was a, a senator from Michigan, I think, and mm-hmm. he said the fact that they haven't done anything is proof that they're planning. Yeah, because the Japanese are inscrutable, and you can't tell, and you know, the absence right. of evidence is the evidence. Yeah, that's yeah. how they get you. Yeah, <laughs> and it's yeah. like, oh, this is sadly on point. Um, <laughs> yeah. So most of them die off screen, which totally sucks because Night Thrasher was a cool and deep character for a while. Mm-hmm. Microbe, I, I didn't know. Um, Namorita mm-hmm. dies with the explosion. Uh, mm-hmm. So she's on screen, as it were. And at this mm-hmm. point, Speedball's dead, like in the, the reader's eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler, he doesn't die. Otherwise, it'd yeah. be a much shorter episode. I was going to um, say, uh, Night Thrasher comes back. His brother comes back. Okay. He's got a younger brother. Um it's a half brother. Uh, his name starts with a D, but it's not Dwayne. Okay. And then there's there's some other stuff that happens where because nobody ever stays dead fully. Um, yeah. But uh, like he's basically like the Madeline Pryor version of Night Thrasher. Oh uh, no. <laughs> um, less less sex on a grave, but um, yeah, like it's ah it's amazing That's a weird met- why do we even have that metric for the clones like why would you sinister why is this here right yeah. trust me you'll need it <laughs> invariably yeah um and as a fanboy of that group specifically it really sucks that they got done that dirty uh it like they got used like drew barrymore in scream you know mm. like just enough mm. that you're like hey that's oh she's dead you know mm. um and the next the next scene is the Avengers and the X-Men are both on the scene. Um, and what I love there, too, is the mutants are being watched over by uh, giant sentinels mm-hmm. that are manned by humans. And like, you know, Wolverine's like, are you serious? We're down here trying to help. He's like, I'm just doing my job, Wolverine. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's that's all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But Captain America and to a larger extent, Iron Man uh, are by the second panel are already blaming the new warriors, specifically Speedball. Uh, and Cap said, all these children, Tony, all dead for a stupid reality TV show, mm-hmm. which there's absolutely meat on that bone. Mm-hmm. Um, and Iron Man says, quote, they should have called us Cap. Speedball knew the new warriors were out of their league. The whole country saw the tape where they said they were only chasing ratings. Yeah. So there you have it. Bill Foster predicts that this is the straw that breaks the camel's back for superheroes in a conversation with Miss Marvel. Uh, he would then become the straw that was broken. Yep. Yeah. A very large stock. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, She-Hulk is on TV with Larry King talking about the logistics more than the ethics, mm-hmm. which very, very lawyerly to quote yeah. from the TV series yeah. uh, of banning versus co-opting superheroes. Mm-hmm. So she's not getting into the ethics of it. That's not her job. Yeah. And I'm okay with those people existing, but these are the panels that we're specifically seeing. But she also takes up arms on the pro reg side, right? Like, and she's splitting her time between that and spoiler alert, she ends up representing Robbie Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, (laughs) it's, It's, you know, I've been seeing a lot of discourse about how, um, Bruce has uh, dissociative identity disorder and, mm-hmm. you know, so in like the new She-Hulk series, which just aired like last week as we record this, yep. uh, th- you know, and like, well, you know, he has a different struggle than her and that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, she's also a lawyer and I've known some lawyers and they have a lot of different personalities. Yep. Right. Uh, and different headspaces they have to be in. Goodness gracious. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. and there, there is a, she sticks, you know, I will say they stay pretty faithful to this arc for her about she's talking about usually she's talking about what can be done, what is actually mm-hmm. possible mm-hmm. and the compromises that can be made to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not a compromising fellow myself. Um, You're a union thug. I don't think I'm a union thug. It. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the compromise is I'll, I'll see you on the picket line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like because I start with I, I tend to start with like I don't negotiate. Mm-hmm. I just tend to start with, here's what I'm able to do and willing to do. Let's mm-hmm. do that, you know, yeah. or what do you need? And we'll talk, you know, but it's not like, okay, I'll, I'll let that slide. It's like, no, that's, that's not okay to me. So that's my personality yeah. anyway, you know, yeah. reading into it. Oh, I wonder if Daredevil would have taken the same tact if had he, cause that, that's not, that's not Matt Murdock. And uh, no, it's not. That's, Civil that's War. Danny, Danny Rand. Rand. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I've always wondered about that. But and he but he plays Matt Murdock because like when he goes into he, zone 42, he yeah. gives a silver he dollar. Gives, that's right, he does. And calls him Judas. I'm like, that's yeah. some Catholic shit right there. That is like oh, I, I read that and loved it. I was so angry to find out, <laughs> oh, that's Danny. Okay. I mean, no, it scans. It's good. It was a good performance. It was, um, but it's but, it's yeah. really interesting that Danny Rand played it all the way there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> So she says that essentially uh, by his funding, the Avengers, um, oh, I'm sorry, by his funding. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I skipped ahead. So uh, the the funeral for the kids, um, including little Damien, who dies, um, but it's spelled the white upper class way. So it makes sense that it's in Stanford, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So the I.E.N. is in a white upper class way. The I.A.N is a white middle class and working class way. I've never seen the E in before. Uh-huh. It's always been the A in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I was in, <laughs> I think I talked about this in the John Cena uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and Pope Frank uh, one. Uh, I looked up the popularity of the name Damien. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
oh geez uh and uh you know when it when it came in and whatnot and in one year there were four of us named damien in the same classroom it's a lot of fans of the omen i guess uh well and it's you can't admit that you were a fan of the omen but it's a cool name that came from it and yeah. that name was popular the year after omen came out not the yeah. year that it came out so mm-hmm. but so uh stark is at this funeral and mm-hmm. the mom of this child comes up and spits on him and she and uh and he takes the moment to call out that this is the new warriors not him he says ma'am i appreciate that you're upset but the new warriors recklessness had nothing to do with me mm-hmm. which is some tony stark level shit and mm-hmm. honestly this absolutely feeds into the mcu's version of tony stark yeah and his his giant push to uh the sokovia accords yeah like I thought, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, they shouldn't have named it Civil War because it's nothing like Civil War. I'm like, no, there were some serious themes that they addressed in it mm-hmm. that came from it. And one of them is Tony Stark's need to offload any sense of responsibility uh, of what he did. Yeah, because it, he's so traumatized by it. He needs to, a man who is in perpetual self-deflection, mm-hmm. um, you know, like who? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and he, uh, she says that by his funding of the Avengers, because that's known at that mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. he's encouraged the recklessness in teenagers. And so, and then she lays out the registration argument. Um, and then there's this bald guy with a handlebar mustache and a nub of a goatee. What were you gonna say? Oh, no, I was, oh. I'm good. Pop uh, my yeah. Uh, in the mid 2000s, that was a really weird time for a man's facial hair. Um, but, uh, this, this bald guy on TV, I, it feels like he's supposed to be a, a Gerardo, uh, Rodriguez, uh, kind of cutout, but he Rivera? looks Rivera, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he looks like Richard Ramirez, like on some levels, like it's, <laughs> it's all kinds of weird. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's dragging speedball again and everybody's dragging speedball and all this momentum towards speedball being the poster child of reckless endangerment. Despite the fact that at this point he's presumed dead, um, quote, like Speedball, for example, no one likes to speak ill of the dead. But here was a boy who, by all accounts, couldn't even name the president of the United States. Their powers can be awesome as uh, as awesome as nuclear weapons, Bill. And I presume that he's guesting on Bill O'Reilly's TV show, but he's on CNN. It's, so, it's an amalgamation, I'm right? I mean, yeah. 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 And he says, quote, shouldn't they be tested before they're allowed to work in our communities? And here's the thing, like superpowers, Mm -hmm. there is I mean, we saw this in the first X-Men movie um, where they talk about like, Mm -hmm. you know, superpowers are as powerful as atomic bombs. And we see this with, um, you know, them talking about Sokovia Accords. Like Mm -hmm. if I lost a 30 ton uh, nuke, you know, Mm -hmm. there'd be a problem. There, there is meat on that bone. Of, so, yeah. So what's interesting about this is something that occurs to me. Um, one of the uh, TikTokers I, I really like is uh, Professor Neil Sheminsky, who mm-hmm. writes about comics. He's a comic scholar. Yeah. Uh, and, and he talks about how most mutants like are right. in real terms, no more powerful than like a guy with a shotgun. Like yes. if you if you talk about like their ability to do harm, right? Right. Most mutants are as dangerous as someone with a firearm, which mm-hmm. we are unreasonably comfortable with in our country. But they are they face an extreme amount of persecution. Yes. But by comparison, superheroes, right? Not just mutants, but superheroes have are so much more dangerous. Mm-hmm. The Fantastic Four are every single one of them yeah every single one of them is absolutely walking hazard right mm-hmm. um 
but they don't face the same persecution. Scrutiny. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The same scrutiny is not applied. The no, uh, there was no sentinel there to observe uh, the Avengers or the other Correct. ragtag heroes who are going to show up to help with the situation. Right. right. It's only the people who are born with it. Yeah. As opposed to the people who got it accidentally. Mm hmm. And they're, I don't know, uh, this is where Ed would jump in about, you know, Protestants in America, and he's probably right. But like this idea <laughs> of, of like, you know, being born with it is a sign of God's displeasure with you on some level. Like, yeah, there yeah, seems to be an uncleanliness to being born with it. It is a, uh, oh, geez. And Ed would know this as a Catholic, uh, uh, being inherently disordered or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like that's the language that the church uses. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, and we could absolutely get into the, the, uh, the, you know, gender identity and expression aspects of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I think that there's a lot of meat on that bone. I think that mm -hmm. that's, you know, it, it, cause I always come back to, I don't care if you're born with it or not. Mm -hmm. Are you a citizen? You deserve citizens rights done. It's a novel thought. Yes. Yeah. And have you been here since you were a child, even though you weren't born here? You're a citizen. Let's go. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, but they may say I'm a dreamer. I don't know. Ooh, but, boom. Oh, God. That was a John Lennon and political reference at the yep. same time. <laughs> time wounds all heals, um, which is still my favorite quote of his. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, speaking of John Lennon, uh, then we show up to outside of a nightclub, uh, somebody getting attacked um, and uh, Johnny Storm is beaten down by a group and he's an out and proud. He is mm -hmm. one of the ones who didn't have a secret identity. Yeah. So and and that is the crux of it is that secret identity folks are like, it's not OK to register us and mm -hmm. non secret identity folks or folks who are like, that's not enough of a reason. Mm -hmm are looking at the danger of it. Mm -hmm. And so, and you know, again, it's, it's comic book writer during 2006. It absolutely is contriving a both mm -hmm. sides aspect to this. And after that, uh, the superheroes are gathered at the Baxter building uh, and you hear the arguments for and against. Uh, there's lots of fissures uh, between them. Iron Man or Iron Man and Luke Cage, for instance. If you look at, I've always thought of it in terms of it's the, uh, well-off white intellectuals who are arguing mm -hmm. in favor of, right? And it's the street-level heroes. Yes. Um, the guys who are in the neighborhoods who are like, no, this is a problem. Like, why right. can't you say that, right? And yeah. Luke Cage is out. He is, he's yeah. not secret identity. And he's mm -hmm. like, no, this is this is a gross violation of her civil rights. Hercules has no secret identity to protect. Right. He's still like, no, this is bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> Thor doesn't exist in this fight other than as a cloned android. Mm -hmm. Um, actually, you know, interestingly, Dr. Uh, Strange is he clearly, out of it. yeah, he stays out of it, but he's clearly kenning against it. Well, and, and what's interesting is I remember in his conversation with the watcher, he says, right. um, when watchers like, well, which side, you know, what do you think is the right thing? Because it doesn't matter what I think, whatever side I pick will win. And I thought that's a profoundly mature moment for Dr. Strange. It is. It is. <laughs> when well, I love that the watcher became Pete Seeger for that, <laughs> just, <laughs> uh are you a union man or are you a yeah. thug for tony stark you know yeah. so mm -hmm. um but yeah that's how they they you know in in the in the movie that they, they're like you can't find hulk you can't find thor you don't know where they are um mm -hmm. so that you get rid of the very powerful ones so we can have a, a fight of parity um whereas in mm -hmm. this one thor i don't remember exactly what's going on with him 
and four is yeah. uh dealing with Asgardian stuff at okay. the time. Yeah. Because it and, hasn't landed yet. No. Right. No. Uh and is I want to say is that the fear itself arc where he's uh, in Asgard, it might be. It, it, but he's. Doing I think Fear itself Asgard. comes after this, though, right? Okay, well, I could well, be wrong, but maybe it's around yeah. that time. I forget exactly yeah. the lineup, but I don't know. Hulk is off doing his World War Hulk things. Yeah, um, Hulk yeah. has literally been removed from the board by yeah. the Illuminati, which is yeah. all the well-off people. Uh, yeah. Plus, uh, well, I was going to say plus uh, T'Challa, but he's the most well-off. He is, um, and he's like, "Fuck y'all, I'm out." Like yeah. this is stupid. Like yeah, this is this, this is, is not going to go well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and same with Namor. He does the same. He's like, "Don't you come around here." Like, mm-hmm. so uh, but yeah, joke? sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So the heroes, uh, mm-hmm. you have these divisions. You have Patriot and Reed Richards, mm-hmm. which was you know you got Patriot, who's a very young superhero. A uh, black male who is the grandson of is it Elijah Bradley or Isaiah, Isaiah Bradley? Okay, he's yeah. Elijah Bradley. Yeah, he's yeah. Elijah. Yeah. Um. So those biblical vowel names. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I'm pronouncing them because uh, yeah. it's not French. That's uh, right. <laughs> but he and Reed Richards are arguing a bit. Falcon and Hank Pym argue a bit. So you got the social worker and the sociopath. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so. That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, you got Wolverine and the Thing, which I think is interesting because I don't think they ever buried the hatchet over the fact that Wolverine scratched the shit out of his face uh, a when long time happen? back. That okay. happened back in the early 90s. Like okay. He clawed him right down the face, so Thing wore a mask for a while. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're arguing, and the Thing is like, well, we've never had a problem. He's like, yeah, not all of us are orange rocks, bud. And, uh, you know, my yeah. people been hunted like crazy forever yeah so and then there's some people who seem neutral to it all right and then mm-hmm. spider-man enters the conversation while talking to sue storm and mm-hmm. sue says the secret identity thing isn't such a big deal oh my god like yeah. rich white woman shit yeah um the fantastic four have been public since the very beginning and it's never been a serious concern and it's like lady your building gets blown up six times a week and, and it's a fortress right and yeah. everybody below you gets hit by debris mm-hmm like mm-hmm. okay karen um also I, yeah. I do want to i do want to point out that uh johnny storm has the uh the privilege of literally being almost everyone's like crush yes right? so pretty privilege th- right oh boy you know yeah. everybody either wants to be him or with him and so the fact that things got bad enough for him to get jumped outside of an night yeah should be an indicator that like things are no longer as safe as you thought they were. Not that they were that safe to begin with. Yeah. Right. Turns out this was all kind of on a hairline, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and Spidey says, yeah, well, not until the day I come home and find my wife impaled on an octopus arm and the woman who raised me begging for my life. At this point, the only person that knows his secret identity, I'm pretty sure is Iron Man. Mm. That's mm-hmm. it. Like he, he keeps his mask on for everybody. He in wrestling parlance keeps kayfabe the mm-hmm. whole time except with iron man um and so spidey is bringing out like there's no way that i would surrender my identity which yeah. of course you know yeah. there's there's a giant arc there right yeah so that's that's what we see so speedball is dead and spider-man is arguing like no this mm-hmm. is not okay but he's also like the guy that he is junior partnered to is like no this is what we have to do yeah so the next issue in the enormous Civil War series occurs in She-Hulk issue eight, 
in May of 2006 as well. She meets with Rage and Justice, mm-hmm. two former New Warriors, uh, but people still associate them with the New Warriors despite their uh, retired status. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like if if I ever see Will Clark, he's forever a giant, even though he went to the Rangers. Um, That's a sports ball reference. That is. That is. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I got nothing for soccer because, you know. I don't either, other yeah. than a lot of cultural obligation. But that's, sure. yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, so actually, I think they're both Reserve Avengers at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But they've specifically come to Jennifer Walters. And- Reserve Avengers. Oh, One yeah. One weekend a month, three weeks <laughs> a year. <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, so they had a reserve squad. Like, yeah. this is this is how you could get around. They got a bench. Yeah, they do. And it included at one point Moon Knight. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, It doesn't include Moon Knight at this point, because when the Fisher actually happens, Cap goes out of his way to find Moon Knight and say, I don't care what side you're on. You're not joining us. And he says this to Moon Knight, having beat the shit out of the Punisher already. Like, yeah, Yeah. like. Look, uh, here's a guy that respects me who who I beat the yeah. shit out of, and we're still letting him kind of on the team. You? No, no, no. Just there stay is, away. None, none of us can be accused of being mentally well. Right. We have no margin for error here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let alone all three of you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so they've they've uh, come to ask her to stop helping or to help stop getting the New York New Warriors doxxed. So there's a website that has come out mm. um, that is doxing the New Warriors one a day, uh, which is terrible because they are the poster children of hate, even if they weren't there, even if all the ones who were there are dead. Mm. And Rage is especially sensitive to this because when the Purple Dragons came after the families of the New Warriors, because that was an arc that happened after issue 25, his grandma was killed. Mm. um and uh so the and the website even has a deadpool not the character but a deadpool to see who's going to get doxxed and what's going to happen to them Mm -hmm. um so there's a trial to create an injunction against this uh and it turns into a farce the judge acts very 1950s about things um and you know basically like you you don't get to talk to your clients that way and and like you know they you should tell them to shut the hell up and blah 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 and Justice is the only one who's actually Justice is Marvel Boy, but grown up. Yeah. Um, and uh, because he served some time for killing his father, who was abusive to him. Okay. It's yeah. yeah um, wow. All right. Yeah. His arc was 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 also sad, but like he was always kind of a serious boy. Gotcha. So um, and he's got telekinetic power. So he like pulverized mm. his father into like 70% of his bones were dust. Just like, pink mist. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, justice is the only one who's differentiating between the actual killing, Mm -hmm. uh, and the victims of it. And, and rage lives up to his name, uh, because so, so justice, like the new warriors didn't do this killing (laughs) that was nitro and rage is how come you keep talking about 600 people? There were 604. My friends were there. Mm -hmm. They're part of the four. And he goes apeshit. The second day of the trial, Iron Man takes the stand, um, and blames the new warriors out and proud about it. He says, quote, in fact, I believe if the new warriors had operated more like the Avengers, the tragedy at Stanford, Connecticut could have been averted. Yeah. Which is throw all the shade and also mm-hmm. look at my shine. I mean, mm-hmm. this it's... is the beginning of Tony Stark, not the beginning. This is the confirmation of Tony Stark being a duplicitous prick. 
it feels very back the blue with that footnote of like as it suits our ends mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and he thinks he's playing five-dimensional chess because if we can have one hand on the wheel per the mcu yeah uh you know so yeah oh and he's thinking of the 50 states initiative that he's got coming up and all that yep. stuff and yeah yeah. Well, he and he and Reed Richards came up with, I think, 99 or 106 things the night of the 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 disaster. Mm-hmm. 42 was the extra dimensional prison yeah. with mm-hmm. no conventions that can touch it. I'm like, wow, yeah. y'all are villains. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is Reed Richards. You know, hey, good point. <laughs> that 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 really that moment where. Uh, Peter visits him and at, yes. the, at zone 42. Yes. And he's like, you know, he talks about his uncle and the, what was it? The house on American. Uh, Hueck. Yeah. Hueck. Yeah. His uncle like stood on his principles. Yeah. And then was destroyed by it. And right. Reed's still like, you know, it hurt my, it broke my heart, but you have to observe the law. And, 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 and this was just good writing. And Peter says, uh, I like, I think I would have liked your uncle, but you loved him. Right. And and Reed just sitting there, which is one of those moments where like, oh, that's a twinge of Reed feeling like a human. Yeah. And then immediately shoves it to the side. Right. Well, and you see it pop up again in a Fantastic Four specific Mm -hmm. issue of the Civil War, the same exact conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And what you find out is that Tony Stark is is planted a bug and he's listening and this is Mm -hmm. building his suspicion of Spider-Man. Yeah um so because of course like it's it's um, how could you think that guy's the guy the, the on the right side of things reed richards also diagnosed himself with the autism and said he was going to cure it so you know wow i didn't realize he jenny mccarthy'd I, uh-huh uh he, yo yeah no he uh he self-diagnosed with his resources and then said i'm going to cure autism it's like all right my guy let's pump the eugenic brakes for a hot second wow uh, like yeah. that's like you you hear the crack of the bat another sports ball reference you hear uh-huh. the crack of the bat and you're like well that's going to be a home run and then you see that it's like killed a hot dog vendor <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh oh not only a almost... ball yeah oh boy Jeez. yeah yeah well and i mean reed richards started meeting with an extra dimensional council of reed richards's and then decided he was the only one who was right and set about murdering them all didn't he yeah, uh, or something along those lines. Yeah. yeah, and and now they have the maker in in uh, the six one six canon, right? Who was the MCU version of Reed Richards, who right. was an unabashed villain? And it's like, right. oh, we're we're just being emotionally honest now. That's what this. Is. Yeah. Oh, like, this this is refreshing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. uh, so the yeah. next Spider Man issue, uh, number five thirty two, uh, Iron Man asks him to unmask in the wake of Stamford, uh, and. Uh, about a third of the comic is Peter agonizing over what to do. Um, and finally, he comes around to unmasking, partly due to his relationship with Tony Stark. He says, quote, you've been good to M- MJ and to Aunt May. You've stood by us. You've been like like a father to me. I made a promise that I would stand by you no matter what. I keep my promises, Tony. Do what you have to do. I'll back you up all the way. I don't know when Peter Parker decided that um, like in emotional necessity equaled ethical offloading anytime somebody's like i made a i made a oath no matter what and it's like no there's not no matter what mm-hmm. like i don't love anybody unconditionally mm-hmm. uh maybe i love my children unconditionally i will we'll find out if one of them kills people and i'm not like no 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 that's that's like 16 known victims <laughs> like <laughs> you know like 
I hope yeah. I never have to find that out. But like, yeah. I don't love unconditionally. Like there are plenty of things people can do that's like, oh, you're no longer a part of my life. Yeah, sure. But and some, some might suggest that having conditions and boundaries are a healthy part of, you know, one's life. Yes. Uh, but also I, I, I read that as like, uh, Peter has it's it's self-preservation, right? Sure. It it is one of the most basest, and and I don't say that as a dig against him. He's thinking about how to take care of Mary Jane and Aunt May. And yep. look, it's hard to imagine being in a more secure place mm-hmm. than Tony's facilities. That's true. And I uh, and I don't think he's thinking of the menace involved in in that yet. Mm-hmm. That comes later. But I also think that there is a layer also of how to put um he peter parker is really smart but he's also there there have been scenes that i have read where he just kind of is shrugging he's like no no i get this stuff but y'all are on this other level when it comes to and it's always when it comes to ethical stuff Mm -hmm. and there is a simplicity simplicity to him when it comes to that and so he is prone to that kind of offloading of like, I just swing around and beat up the bad guys, like mm-hmm. you know. And so there, there is, there is something about that. Now, after that, the the next issue of the story kicks off my favorite of the whole series, which is called Frontline, uh, and it's a reporter on the streets uh, series, and it follows Ben Urich and his uh, protege Sally Floyd, who is a drunk. Um, and, uh, at the end of each one of these episodes, there's an epilogue that pulls episodes issues, uh, an epilogue that pulls the history of the country into what's going on, because as Ed always says, anvils need to be dropped. Uh, so the very end yeah. of the first one is a story about Japanese internment mm-hmm. and going along with it because that's what a good American would do. And it's absolutely yeah. Peter Parker there. And what well, and in that issue, it also reminds me of something that you don't often see in these comics with mm-hmm. Marvel, and that is brutality. Specifically, yes. I'm thinking of the scene between it's uh is it Thunderclap and the guy he's fighting. Oh, what's his name? Is it Nightwing? No, no, no. Okay. Um, is the it's but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. With the gas explosion. Yeah. Right. Thunderclap uh, uh, sends like a, a shockwave through this other hero that he's fighting. Thunderclap is pro registration. The other guy's not. Right. Knocks him into that gas uh, tanker. The, yeah. And, a tanker truck. And the guy just immolates. Right. Yeah. And you see the body. You see the 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 way in which his body is just charred and traumatized and like mm-hmm. you see the expression on the first responders faces as they're horrified at not being able to put out the fire fast enough that kind of stuff yeah and then the breakdown of thundercloud thinking when he says i didn't mean to do it that's not what i was trying to do you know mm-hmm. set and the other and he goes from being cocksure to just you know torn apart emotionally yeah. and that's something that i don't think you you get that a little bit from time to time, but that combined with the physical damage to this other hero's body is, mm-hmm. I thought, really, um, that's really poignant. Yeah, normally the only time you see a body like that is when it's Wolverine and you know that in a yeah, few it's... panels he'll be back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, you know, uh, the, the rest of the story is fascinating, too. Uh, it's a lot about the fallout with Spider-Man unmasking, um, mm-hmm. as well as Tony Stark admitting that he's Iron Man. Uh, Spider-Man sneaks into Sally Floyd's apartment and uh, the night beforehand before Iron Man unmasks and tries to tell her what's going on. And then she flirts with him and it gets awkward. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, then you get to Stockton and then it, it flashes to a different scene. You're in Stockton, upstate New York. There's a sheriff's deputy and an overall wearing man named Albie, and they're running off into the woods so that Albie can show the deputy something important. Speedball has crashed down. He's unconscious and he's floating. Mm. And the nitro explosion was largely a concussive force, which mm-hmm. Speedball's power uh, absorbed. And then it kind of overloaded and went haywire. And he just flew from Stanford, yeah. Connecticut to upstate New York. Um, and, uh, you know, he's hundreds, hundreds of miles from the explosion site and he's floating off the ground. So there's something going screwy and haywire with his power. And from him emanates this huge explosion that then lets him drop and it kills those two guys as well. Mm-hmm. So if you're pinning everything on speedball, I think we're up to like 609 or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, at this point, all of speedball's powers are gone. Robbie Baldwin is all that's left and he's in terrible shape. He's bald, he's bruised and he's comatose. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and while he's comatose, we see the last incidents of the con of his conscious life through his eyes. And he's clearly in distress over it. Cause you get the, the flashing here and there, uh, between his expression, which is comatose, but sweatier. Um, and he awakens to an NSA slash shield a- attache named Eric Marshall, who immediately starts talking to him, which I've never, I mean, that always works in movies and stuff, but I've never actually seen that mm-hmm. as being a standard practice. He glibly and uncaringly uh, keeps talking to a a man who was just in a coma and he tells him, uh, I hope you like the number four. And he tells him there's four things you need to know. Number one, you're the only survivor, which means all of your friends are dead. Mm. Um, number two, uh, this explosion killed uh, 612 people, including 60 children. Uh, number three, your kinetic ability bounced you up to state to New York, uh, making you powerless in the process. And number four, you're under arrest. Way to bury the lead. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but I mean, for him, it's yeah. that triumphant thing of like, yeah. now we have power. Of me. And Speedball's like, oh, because uh, he's uh, coma, ma- coma mouthed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the second issue of Civil War, the new Warriors ratings chasing is a part of the opening crawl on the first page. Uh, and then it discusses the two sides as equal reactions to what society is demanding. Mm-hmm. And in this issue, you see the young Avengers all getting snatched up by shield post-registration deadline. And you see the secret Avengers planning the rescue. And there's hints of area 42 in the episode and Spidey unmasks. Mm-hmm. Then in uh, the second issue of frontline and frontline is where we get a lot of the Robbie Baldwin stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm basically going to be bouncing back between the plot, the Spidey stuff and the speedball stuff mm-hmm. here. Robbie Baldwin is in custody. He's in an undisclosed location within the contiguous United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, his blonde hair is starting to grow back, but it's very, very cropped. Um, and it's closely shorn. And his bruises have all healed. His posture mm-hmm. is always slouched, partly because mm-hmm. he's chained to the floor and sitting in a chair. And I'm pretty sure he's wearing either all like, like kind of a gross blue or an orange mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. none of what made speedball or Robbie Baldwin, who he was is visible here. Mm. So he doesn't have these acrobatic poses. He doesn't have the gold and the blue and the, the brilliant blonde hair and the, the smiles. Um, yeah. And even if there was no dialogue, there'd be no guarantee or if there was no dialogue, there'd be no guarantee that we'd know who we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's, that's also a thing. And so, 
just as Peter Parker has unmasked, mm-hmm. Speedball has been stripped of everything that identified Speedball, and Robbie Baldwin is all that's left, and we can't even recognize him. Yeah, this is a a shell of a man, um, yeah. at least initially, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, he's also trying to lawyer up. He mm-hmm. says, "Quote: I want to see my lawyer. I said I want to see my lawyer. You can't hold me here. It's been more than three days. You have no right. Are you even listening to me, dude? As an American citizen, I have a right to an attorney. Either charge me mm-hmm. with a crime or let me go." Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, at that point. I'm- yeah, I'm always surprised when characters say that in stories because my thought is, of course, they're going to charge you with a crime. They can do that without any evidence and then just hold you for a while. But you know, like, who do you think you're talking to? Oh, right. you, haven't de- you haven't dealt with the cops before. That's what this is. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, it's you've dealt with TV cops. Yeah, like yeah. you've dealt with plot cops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, Eric Marshall then sits down with him and tells him that since you've been unconscious, Congress passed and today the president signed the Hu- Superhuman Registration Act. Uh, and it means that anyone who's not registered must register. And Marshall gives him the soft pitch that, hey, if you register, they'll give him a, quote, a one-time chance to escape punishment for the crimes committed by yourself and your former teammates in Stanford. Which is real interesting that it's yourself and your former teammates. like And the dead? Yeah. <laughs> like, and and then you know what yeah. I love about comics is you get those really small type words sometimes and mm-hmm. Robbie and it, it kind of shows their emotional state and Robbie says in really small words but I didn't do anything wrong yeah and that's I mean you and I have talked about this off air as well like you know he continues to say I didn't do anything wrong and you you talk about his culpability yeah like I I think about it from the perspective of if he is going to if he is leading a raid on again criminals but that were not in the actual act of committing a crime right Mm -hmm. he should know what their powers are and he knows what nitro could do now nitro had exploded to a point that had not been seen up until then that was entirely like new and novel right no one saw that kind of explosion right but all the same they know they Mm -hmm. are in close proximity to a civilian area with a villain who can detonate yes right now, his detonations have usually been school bus sized, uh, you know, uh, so so what you're saying is r- roughly the, the same, uh, roughly the same lethality as, say, a Raytheon drone. Um, right. Th- that were it to target, say, a civilian population. I'm just throwing something out there. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, how many people at a wedding would really die from such a thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was at I was at a wedding in the oh, south side of Chicago some okay. years ago, uh, and there was it was a Catholic wedding, and there was a drone. Somehow or another, they managed to convince the priest to let there be like a camera drone, right, oh, to wow. take photos, uh-huh. of, right? Because if there's anything that the church is known for, it's embracing the new. And and I, I posted it on Facebook, and a friend of mine uh, from India said, you know, in other parts of the world, when you hear the phrase a drone at a wedding, very different connotations. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh <laughs> um so uh Marshall lets him know that his identity has already been sent on to the Washington Press Corps, which is a weaponizing of the uh of the of the press. And because all his friends are dead, he's the only one alive that can get any blame. Which yeah. I don't think that's how the justice system works. I mean, it is. It is. But, 
Yeah. Rules as written, no, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Rules as intended, obviously it does. Um, Robbie is incredulous at this. And and I think honestly, this this absolutely speaks to my my cultural lens as a white guy. Mm-hmm. I'm fully with Robbie on this. He doesn't have the culpability. He does have the right to a lawyer. He like all these things I think are true. Um, he wasn't at the spot where the dude detonated. He attacked the dude in a house where his detonation would have been contained. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the mental gymnastics that I'm now realizing that I clearly have done. It, you know, yeah. it's it's one of those things that like intellectually, sure, mm-hmm. I'm inclined to agree with Robbie. Yeah, you know what? He was acting what he thought was obviously motivated by a degree of success. But if we're being honest, no one goes into those situations wanting to fail whether or not there's a TV camera there, right? So like, right. there's that there. But the other thing is like he, it's still a matter of, Oh God, what what my philosophy professor put it, moral luck. Mm-hmm. Right. If you mm-hmm. I I it I get a kick sometimes, or I used to, like driving through a big piles of leaves on the side of the road when people uh, pile them up because it's neat to see the leaves scatter. Right? Sure. If there's a kid in there, exactly, right, you're still responsible for what yes. happens. Yes. Um, and what's more, if you have even the slightest idea that they're that this is a neighborhood where there are kids who play, right? Right you've accepted a certain amount of risk. And so this is where I get kind of frustrated with Robbie uh, and his decision at first to not take the bargain that She-Hulk, that uh, Jennifer Walters proposes right. to him, right? Where she's like, look, we can get you off. You you sign up, you go pro registration. Um, you will serve like three years of service or something along those lines. And yeah, yeah and you know, it's a good deal. And yeah, you'll the best be- one you're likely to get you'll be federally sanctioned to do the thing that you got in trouble doing. Yeah. You'll be a consultant for yeah. a while. Right? right. So you won't even be in danger yeah. necessarily. We'll bench and, you. Yeah. And I, you know, on the one hand, he says, no, I'm, I'm not going to take it. You know, right. I'm going to stand by my, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. This and the other. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's cool. Let's be realistic. My guy. Um, because as I, as I like to say, uh, whiteness is a ladder. You mm-hmm. can climb up it. You can also go down it. And my yes. dude, you are near the bottom rung, like in terms of what your uh, sociocultural <laughs> privilege will protect you from. You're almost yeah. Hispanic. You're like, almost. Yeah. Like you. <laughs> I say like, that knowing who yeah, I'm talking yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, it's absolutely. So. You're not at the bottom, but you're getting there. And yeah, you, you are at the very easy, like chargeable, arrestable, incarceratable yeah. level. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting because I've I've faced instances where like I didn't do anything wrong and mm-hmm. and I'm going to fight this. And, you know, because I've got mm-hmm. wise people in my union, they're like, OK, if you fight this, you're going to be fighting this for a long time. And it's going to you're going to keep giving it oxygen. The other thing you could do is. Does it really hurt you that people are saying these things? Does it really hurt you that you got this kind of an evaluation? Um you know, as long as it's above this threshold, it doesn't hurt your employment. Call it good. And it's like, mm-hmm. but she should be, you know, I had an administrator who who just completely blew it on my my evaluation. And I had mm-hmm. demonstrable proof of it because I'd answered all her questions to to the mm-hmm. satisfaction of anyone. And even my my principal was like, yeah, this is this is ridiculous. I'm like, well, then I want another evaluation and blah, blah, blah. And my union was like, dude. Why? Like. You, we, you know, you're, you're not going to be in any kind of trouble. Just mm-hmm. shut up. And, and I was like, 
it was a pill to swallow, but you know, it was, yeah. it was the more practically correct thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, and you're always playing the long game of the next fight and how this is going to set up for the next fight and things exactly. like that. And it's, you know, try as we might, we do still have to contend with reality, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's where Jennifer Walters does a really good job with mm-hmm. him. But I also think in this early stages, um, he actually, this is the, the final shadow of his wisecracking self until because I think there is a shift that happens after this, his wisecracks become based out of nastiness and a need to hurt others or a need mm. to defend himself versus just this. Mean. Yeah. yeah. And so he says, uh, so, you know, he's, he's incredulous this whole time. Right. And he says, this is a joke, right? Any minute now you're going to say that this is a joke. Like that's his response to Marshall letting him know you're the only one left alive to blame. And Marshall says, if you refuse to sign, you will be incarcerated at the pleasure of the United States government. And Baldwin immediately says, I'm not signing anything because I didn't do anything wrong. What happened in Stanford could have happened anywhere. I know my rights and I want a damn lawyer. And Marshall walks away and says, quote, you're an unregistered comp, comp- uh, you're an unregistered uh, competent, Mr. Baldwin. I define your rights. Combatant. Combatant. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I need to zoom in a little <laughs> So uh, the guards are then walking him back to his cell and he's starting to show signs of being able to wisecrack more confidently. He says, guys, seriously, I'm like begging you here. Don't make me beg because it won't be pretty. Plus, you don't want to see me cry. It'll haunt your dreams. I'm a good crier. And he's going on and on and fast talking and all this until one of the guards just punches the shit out of him in the gut and then kicks him while he's down and smashes his head into a wall. Uh, and it turns out that guard had a family member who died in Stanford, and he aims to make Baldwin pay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Baldwin's response to getting beaten and then thrown into uh, or uh, and dragged off to his cell is, it wasn't our fault, it was Nitro. I'm sorry for what happened to those people. And the guard interrupts, not like you will be, boy. And he throws the bloodied Baldwin to the ground. Boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, I believe Marshall is black, and I believe the guard that throws him and says that is also black, although Mm -hmm. the other guard is white, so Mm -hmm. I may have mixed up who said what. But there's always that authority figure. Yes. Referring you to in a diminutive gender position. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, Robbie is a 16-year-old. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you're treating him like an adult. You're beating the shit out of a kid. So you, you pick one like in that comic book i referenced in the last issue the survival street one yeah and how corporations are granted personhood there yeah. is a there is an arc that addresses the idea of trying corporations as minors oh my god <laughs> <laughs> of course yeah of course oh, man. Uh, yeah so the next scene baldwin's on a plane beaten up quite a bit with a lawyer begging him to take the plea deal uh, and I should mention that Robbie Baldwin has spent years not being able to get beaten up because of his power. That's right. Yeah. So all this pain is really likely something he is not used to. You know, they they say that when you get into uh, martial arts and fighting and it's competitive and you actually get punched a lot, there's a leatherification that happens. Like mm-hmm. you get, you know, it's like, oh, I've been punched in the face. Okay, I know what to do. Yeah, I've I've two uh I've twelve years experience, two black belts, and yeah, you get knocked around. It it yeah, you have to build some tough to skin. Yeah. yeah, you know, and uh and and see, I always did joint locking stuff, so like mm-hmm. I got really good at getting bent, but 
like got my nose broken. I'm like, damn. Well, actually, that's a bad example because I've had my nose broken literally 20 times. Um, <laughs> and after like the the 12th time or so, I was like, oh, it got broke, you know, and I was just resetting it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like people are like, oh, my God, your nose is broken. I'm like, yeah, it's no big deal. You know, click, you know, let's go, you know. But it was also you're not supposed to be breaking my nose. We're joint locking here. So right. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, he's not used to this, um, having been speedball most of most of this time. And the lawyer and Baldwin have this wonderful exchange. The lawyer says no one in America cares about you standing up for your principles. Your actions caused the death of 60 children. Baldwin says, I'm not the one who exploded. I was the one trying to stop him. And you failed. This is the best offer you're going to get. If you simply agree to register, then I'll be admitting guilt. I'm not guilty. Yeah. Then, then the lawyer fire, fires back. Then I can do nothing for you. As an unregistered combatant, you'll be taken to a maximum security penitentiary somewhere in the lower 48 states, possibly Alabama or Texas, which, wow. Mm. <laughs> Just want to break mm-hmm. out there and be like, mm, what, what, I wonder what's interesting about those two places. Um, Good. It's, it's certainly not the quote unquote Southern hospitality. Um, no, not so much. Uh, and then back to the quote, they're going to want to set an example. They put your identity out on the news wires. Now you're going to have a lot of very nasty people who know you're coming Baldwin. I can take care of myself. He has also spent the last several years being a superhero. So he probably knows how to fight pretty well. Sure. Lawyer, without your kinetic energy powers, for how long, I wonder? You'll be held at the discretion of S.H.I.E.L.D. until they've completely or the, until they've completed construction at a second facility, at which point you'll be transferred. And that's only if you survive the transfer period. So this whole time he's being processed somewhat brutally for his time in the new penitentiary. And as soon as he crosses this red line into the gen pop, he's beaten up, stomped on the ground, etc. He's a baby killer. Yep, exactly. Oh, they call him that over and over. Toomey especially does. Uh, yeah. Who's kind of like the, I'm going to say the kingpin, the, the very poor man's kingpin, like mm-hmm. the little Debbie of kingpins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the Hydrox of kingpins. Um, the RC Cola of kingpins. Hey, nah, listen. <laughs> that is that is sacred. All right. <laughs> RC Cola and Moonpipe passes Eucharist at some churches, okay? That uh, is... Yeah, yeah, I can believe it. <laughs> So something about this sort of reminds me of something really horrifying and depressing. Mm-hmm. So allow me to <laughs> really, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, you knew who you brought on here. Yeah. Um, but when he says, you know, I did nothing wrong and I'm standing by this, that, and the other, mm-hmm. it reminds me of, I don't know if you recall, uh, in the aftermath of the Parkland, Florida shooting, um, there mm-hmm. was, they interviewed the family that had been hosting the uh, perpetrator. Mm-hmm. um because he was not staying with family he was staying with some other people who had oh. known him for a long time and that sort of thing, and knew that he had firearms they kept his firearms in the house and when asked about it later after the event happened a reporter asked him uh you know if you had to do it over again would you still have given him access to his firearms mm-hmm. and they said yes because that was his right he had a right to those weapons and so yeah and i that that was that's right up there with sandy hook which has also been something to my mind as far as all this stuff goes right yeah of is there any way out like of this cycle of, of violence and madness because that that the the confidence to look into a camera while the bodies are still warm and yeah. say you know that was his right we would have given his guns anyway even knowing what we know now 
Right. That's a, that's a, from that person's perspective, they are standing by their convictions and what they think is right. And they themselves do not see themselves at all being culpable or responsible for the deaths that day, even though while they weren't, while their hand was not on the trigger, they were absolutely uh, a relevant factor in what could have stopped it. Yes. Right. Uh, There's, you know, I, I often wonder when I see stuff like that, when I hear stuff like that Mm -hmm. of how much of that is psychological self-preservation, how much of that is, is talking about grandpa being a good German Patriot at 19 in 1943. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, I, because there it's very rare that mm-hmm. people are capable of admitting that they were wrong about a thing, much less mm-hmm. something so awful. I wonder if there's a scaling issue there in, you know, in terms of that, because, yeah, because when people discuss the price of freedom, mm-hmm. they don't ever talk about it in the number of children's bodies. Yeah. The toddler count. Right. Right. But it should be discussed in terms of that mm-hmm. because that's part of the price of freedom, apparently. Uh, I mean, literally, they were yeah. faced with that. They were faced with that question and they said, well, freedom. Yeah. It, it's, it's, um, and the idea of self preservation reminds me of maybe it's like, you know, Hawkeye in that series finale of MASH, right? Mm-hmm. Where he has to create a fabricated idea, uh, a world or a narrative of what happened in order to keep himself sane because right. he did, he took an action that led a woman to smother her child. Yes. And as soon as you said Hawkeye, I thought we were going to the series. So I was really confused for a second. Uh, You don't remember when Clinton Barton uh, uh, told Kate Bishop to to smother someone? Yeah. 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 Oh, there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, And that broke his brain. Yeah. And and he had to go, but you know that's Alan Alda, so he actually was able to write a character that was you know yeah. self reflective enough, and that was yeah, you know a different time, I guess. Um, now it, it's interesting that the the parallel that's happening here. Um, God, now you, you shook my brain with the the Parkland thing because uh, we actually had a active bomb threat and a live shooter threat at the same time at my school within about a week of that. Oh, wow. And so we evacuated because bomb threat trumps yeah. shooter threat. Yeah. Now, neither of these things were were proven to be credible after yeah. the fact. But at the time, we had to treat it as though it was credible yeah. because yeah. of the protocols and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And there was no evacuation plan for our site mm-hmm. because why would there be? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we invaded the Elks Lodge down the street from us um, and they were not mm. too happy. And I was not too happy with them. Yeah. Uh, and I'm me. So yeah. I, I went in hard. Uh, and then it, it is weird yeah. that you keep a baseball bat with nails in it in your classroom. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. It's not That's a baseball a... bat. Okay. It's, it's a beating wand. It's totally different. It's a hall pass. Yeah. It's... Well, no, the hall pass is a disc break made of metal in case a kid needs to defend themselves. Xena style, uh, in the halls and it's engraved. And it says, Mr. Harmony's big, obnoxious hall pass. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. so but like i went off and so eventually we had to move the evacuation site from the elks lodge because they're just a fraternal organization that's there for you know public safety um and so people were were and our superintendent came down and i do not have much respect for that man but he was asking he's like well where can we be i said we're on a street that has eight churches on it 
He's like, well, then like what church? I'm like, you know, what if they turn us down? I said, claim sanctuary. They have to let you in. That's a sad state of affairs. Yes. You have children in, in danger. Yes. And you're not willing to let them chill there for a little while. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, in a largely empty building, by the mm-hmm. way, like, mm-hmm. like, it's not like there's business hours going on right now, you know? Right. So, but yeah, it was, uh, that was, that was a, a, a rough time. Like it traumatized a lot of us to a level that none of us dealt with. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, it, 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 the, the years afterwards were, were lots of just stacking of mm-hmm. bullshit on top of it. So we never really dealt with it. So, but back to more cheery things, uh, when Peter Parker unmasked, um, he is unsure of a lot of things. He absolutely is. But he immediately gets flirted with by a drunken Sally Floyd, um, which I'm down mm-hmm. for. Sure. Um, he has the support and the love of Aunt May and Mary Jane, and he has re- reassurance from Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And he chose to unmask. Robbie mm-hmm. Baldwin was unmasked against his will. His name was given to the press. Peter Parker gave his name to the press. Robbie Baldwin, his name was given to the press. He has all his rights stripped away. He gets the shit kicked out of him repeatedly. And he's told over and over again that his innocence is immaterial to anything. And he gets called a baby killer. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to end with uh, this, this thing that happened the week that that issue of frontline came out, the court case of Hamden versus Rumsfeld decided that the detainees at Guantanamo Bay detention center were due the barest minimum in the Geneva Conventions Article 3, which the United States was claiming to uphold, but had not had had been proven not to want to uphold and wasn't really upholding. Rumsfeld, then the Secretary mm-hmm. of Defense, tried the argument that since there was no war, those deemed terrorists were entitled to no such rights as listed. And again, we're talking about basic shit that outlawed the next five things. Mm-hmm. outlawed violence to life and person in particular murder of all kinds mutilation cruel treatment and torture it outlawed the taking of hostages it outlawed this is geneva convention yes uh outlawed uh outrages upon dignity in particular humiliating and degrading treatment and the it outlawed the passing of sentences and carrying out of executions without previous judgment pronounced by a regularly constituted court affording all the judicial guarantees, which are recognized as indispensable by civilized peoples. And it outlawed the wounded and sick from being collected in, uh, or, and it said that the wounded and sick shall be collected and cared for. We just really have not given a shit about that document. The last 20 years. No, no longer, but no, to an impressive degree. Like, Yeah, almost like it's a so there was a guy, Pliny the Younger. Um, He loved Emperor Trajan Mm -hmm. and he wrote to and Emperor Emperor Trajan is considered the greatest emperor of all of Rome's history. Maybe Mm -hmm. Septimus Severus. It depends. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. Trajan was kind of like the the code maker for it. Sure. Um, And he he Pliny had found that there's this dangerous ass cult uh, offshoot from the Jews who are not praying to all the gods in rome and they've been going at it for like 20 years and he's like this is a civil crime we need Mm -hmm. to persecute these people and so he did so he writes to trajan this this long letter Mm because you always write long reports to your boss and then they fire back a single paragraph and he says look i found these people and they and he lists all the shit that they did he's like they they would do the weirdest goddamn things and i tested them i would ask him are you a christian are you Mm -hmm. sure 
are you sure? And if they, if they said no, then I would ask him another question, but it, it, you know, that three times asking was kind of a thing to me. And then he's like, and then I had, okay, prove that you're not a Christian, Uh, burn this incense, Mm -hmm. drink this wine, pray to the, uh, the statue of the emperor. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, uh, pray to these other gods and then, uh, curse Christ and then do this. And he's got this list. And I looked at the list one day and I was like, wait a minute, this is the 10 commandments turned into a checklist. And it was, I mean, the, the order that he had it in was mm-hmm. commandment one, commandment two, commandment three, commandment, you know, yeah. uh, and, and then he talked about how weird these people were because they would meet at dawn and sing songs back and forth to each other. They're doing like hymns. a bunch of weirdos. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, and then they would, they would come back together and drink wine and eat bread. Like that's something. Mm-hmm. And then he'd be like, and then they'd swear not to bang each other's wives or to like deny deposit when asked for and not to steal. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, in Roman culture, like the only time you actually take an oath is when you enter into a conspiracy to do horrible shit. So to him, it is weird. Yeah. You know, it, it would be like at the outset <laughs> of of our episodes, I would promise Ed that I'm not going to flirt with his wife. Yeah. Like, why are you doing that? You know, and to the Romans, you're supposed yeah. to bang each other's wives. <laughs> like, it's just open secrets. And so, but he used the Ten Commandments as a checklist, and it strikes me as we use the Geneva Convention as a checklist. <laughs> just, just trying to get bingo. That's yeah, all they're trying to do. Exactly. God, so, yeah. in starting in July, mm-hmm. uh, the Hamden versus Rumsfeld said, "Oh no, you have to start treating Gitmo prisoners with these rights." Mm-hmm. So this is May. And they said, starting in July, you've got, no, this is June. And they, mm-hmm. you know, that the court case came down starting mm-hmm. in July, you have to start, you know, doing right mm-hmm. by them. In February, the UN demanded that the detention center in Guantanamo Bay that had been open since January 11th, 2002 be mm-hmm. closed. It was this extrajudicial, didn't exist on U.S. soil in area mm-hmm. 42 of sorts. Yes. Interesting. Where you have <laughs> negative rights. Yeah. 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 Oh, I like that. Especially. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Um, interestingly, Guantanamo Bay's detention facility opened with permanent facilities at Camp Delta in April of 2002. You want to guess the total number of detainees that it was meant to hold? It was like double digits, wasn't it? 612. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, no. I was like, that are you a serious? Lot about, it says a lot about intended actions. Uh-huh. Like, uh. But also, how many people died at Stanford? Oh, 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 that's sad. That ooh, yeah, that's heartbreaking. Uh huh. So by June of 2006, again, when the issue came out, again, mm-hmm. when this issue of Robbie Baldwin getting the shit kicked out of him, there were three suicides at Guantanamo Bay, which were a part of a suicide pact. The rear admiral commander of the facility, a man named Harry Harris, called it quote an act of asymmetric warfare against us. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> These ooh, three ooh. men killing themselves is an act of asymmetric warfare against no, us. No, no one commits a homicide but us. Right. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh so the amount of cartoonish blame the only living person from the event that we see happening to Speedball is not that cartoonish at that time. Yeah. Yeah. It's right in line with the zeitgeist of the summer of 2006. 
the Pentagon had authorized torturous treatment, including what came out in a New York Times article from June of 2005. Quote, on a couple of occasions, I entered the interview rooms to find detainees chained hand and foot in a fetal position to the floor with no chair, food or water. Most times they had urinated or defecated on themselves and had been left there for 18 to 24 hours or more. Now, at the same time, Dick Cheney was saying to Wolf Blitzer, like within a day of this report coming out, he said, quote, there isn't any other nation in the world that would treat people who were determined to kill Americans the way that we're treating these people. Mm -hmm. They're living in the tropics. They're well fed. They've got everything they could possibly want. The tropics. It's Cuba, but the tropics. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. And I think that's where I'm going to end it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to pick it up for the next episode. Um, where we get back into Spider-Man and his choices and the real, you start to get into the roller coaster of things here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're, they're being tortured. Um, and Speedball is absolutely being thrown to Toomey and his wolves. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's a torture and a removal of dignity. And we haven't even gotten to zone 42 yet. Yeah. Which I mean, so every time I read it, I'm like, okay, okay, clearly it's overblown. Like the mm-hmm. panic is like, no, there were literal current antecedents that were happening or current students, I guess. You know what's interesting about that? Mm. Uh, and I only know this because I taught a class on it and because I read uh, Civil War as an e-comic um, mm-hmm. on Marvel Unlimited, which means you don't get the commercials, you don't get the advertisements, right? Oh, the, you do in the actual right. physical copy, right? Uh, in the original run in issue seven, the last uh-huh. issue, right, where Cap throws the fight, right? They start advertising for the U.S. military. Wow. See, I only read it in trade paperbacks and then yeah. e-comics, so I didn't get it either. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And we'll, we'll we can talk a little bit about the 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 post Civil War aftermath and the characterization of the opposing sides as they continue their fights and yes, the the implications for. Uh, the social discourse surrounding uh, protests in the you know Iraq War, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway, so so what'd you glean? <laughs> um, things are bad. Yeah, thing things are 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 always bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am uncomfortable with the degree to which uh, comics as a art form with high immediacy um, mm-hmm. adapts to reality. Uh, no, it's yeah. I think I think you know it's always interesting seeing how depictions of the criminal justice system uh, work within, in narrative universes. And it does seem rather hyperbolic to say that, well, they have the negative zone where people don't have rights and it's outside of us authority and jurisdiction. It's like, well, that does seem kind of science fiction, but also Guantanamo. Yeah. Um, And that it's, it's also easy, I think, to find characters like Tony Stark charming because he does take in MJ. He does take in Aunt yep. May and he's helping Peter Parker and that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, even from the outset in like the lead up to civil war, he's coming out from the angle of protesting the registration. He initially yes. protests registration. Yes. And, and there's a lot of credibility and leeway we may give a character like that, but mm-hmm. ultimately he was still playing a game with yep. people's lives uh, and one where he was sure he was going to come out on top. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that it, it really does remind me of like, not that Tony Stark and George Bush are necessarily parallels, but how much goodwill can carry you. They're both dry drunks. That's fair. 
that's entirely fair. They're both corporatized. They're, I mean, with very distinct eyebrows. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, yeah. They're, they're both more similar than I would like to admit. And I never thought to compare them. And a lot of, they rely a lot on charm. Yes, right? they do. Uh, yes, in different ways to get people to to go along with them, so to manipulate people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, as I tell my students, if you want a, a master class in uh, emoting, uh, look at George Bush and his eyebrows. The man yep. says a lot. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, so where where can people uh, find? Or actually, did you want to recommend any books for folks to read before? Actually, I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'm going to recommend a couple things. Um, sure. Number one, I am reading. Oh, I have that that Punisher paper uh, mm-hmm. that I came on and talked about. The yeah. one where when we discuss, you know, the oh, resentment and abject masculinity and uh, the use of the black male body as a form of um, as the method for healing uh, white trauma and all that kind of stuff at the yeah. expense of black masculinity. That paper's finally been published. Um, Congratulations. Is, thank you. It only took two years. Good day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is, I forget the name of it, but if you type in Gabriel Cruz, Punisher, uh, and Howard Journal of Communication is where it's published. Uh, okay. If anyone has access to it, you can find it there. Um, oh God, the name escapes me at the moment. But also, I'm going to recommend something else that came to mind as we were talking about Guantanamo. Mm-hmm. And that is, there's a documentary that I uh, watched in grad school that I think you can find on YouTube for free, I want to say, because that's how I watched it, at least at the time. Um, but it's called The Road to Guantanamo uh, okay. for anyone who's interested. So just a brief description of, it's a British 2006 docudrama film written and directed by Michael Winterbottom and uh, Matt Whitecross about the incarceration of three British citizens, the Tipton Three, who were captured in 2001 in Afghanistan and detained by the United States uh, there and for more than two years at the detainment camp in Guantanamo Bay Naval Base, Cuba. Um, it is. It was well done. It was horrifying and it has... Uh, you know, it's just it, it, it was good and insightful and and the kind of thing that keeps you up at night. Um, so yeah, anyway, and I think you can access it, like I said, on YouTube for free. Okay, so uh, cool. Uh, I'm gonna recommend that actually people go watch uh, now that you've read Civil War, uh, Frontline, that whole series one through 11. Now go watch the Civil War, co- uh, movie, mm-hmm. um, because the themes that are brought up in it are. It's interesting because they don't live in a world where there is a secret identity mm-hmm. <laughs> at all, uh, yeah. but they still found ways to draw the same issues mm-hmm. into it or the same themes into it, uh, essentially security versus uh, liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's interesting to see who who makes what argument and from what place they're making the argument. Mm-hmm. My favorite part, and I wish that they had given so much more space to it, was the argument between uh Rhodey and Sam mm. because those two men have a vastly different experience than the guys that they are standing for mm-hmm. and I would have loved to have seen that played out much more as a discussion because it only gets a couple lines and then it's quickly moved on yeah. because vision has a, an equation uh but and a bad one yeah it really is oh um, my god Bad God, one. talk about begging the question. Like if I ever teach vision. philosophy, I'm using yeah. that scene for yeah. begging the question. Like yeah. Vision. Our teleology ex- is his power. Strength uh uh invites, invites catastrophe. Catastrophe. It's like you no, it no. Yeah. You you're still a baby. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing. Is like anybody else want to hear from the two year old? Yeah. <laughs> 
So, no. but anyway, I invite people to, to look at that. Uh, where can people find they find you if they want to find yeah. you? Um, if they care to hear more of my foolishness, uh, I'm on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at GA Cruz PhD. Um, I also have a podcast called Office Hours with Dr. C. Come check us out. Uh, we have had uh, Damien and Ed on, and uh, it's a great time. And yeah, so we talk about pop culture and that kind of stuff. It, it's It's nice. So, yeah. Uh, you can also uh, find me uh, at um, at Luna's on the first Friday of every month from here through the end of the year mm -hmm. uh, in Sacramento. Bring proof of vaccination and $10 and you get to see Capital Punishment, the longest running international pun show in the world. So I've, how many people are in that category for international pun shows? Yeah, the, the, I mean, the, there's the UK pun off that. Um, okay yeah they they and then there's one called capital punishment but it's out of canberra um and they haven't been as, around as long as we have you know um, i meant that to kind of take a dig at you and then realize yeah. no there's probably a world here i'm just oh yeah the I've, I've been on several of these <laughs> to the point where now there's internationally known oh that's a damien joke so it's where you take four minutes to get to a punchline that is woefully like you should have seen it coming and you're mad that you didn't so <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah come see those uh at uh luna's in sacramento uh ten dollars in proof of acts so first friday of every month so well uh gabriel thank you so much for being on and uh we'll of course have you on next week and possibly the week after as we continue our our trounce through speedball's traumatic life uh but until then uh i'm damien harmony for geek history of time and i'm uh, gabriel cruz and until next time, uh, keep rolling 20s.